Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear this show in its entirety or any of our past shows, you can do that. And we'd love for you to. You can go to a couple of different places. You can go to soundcloud.com, Facebook, or you go to iTunes and just type in Solid Steps Radio. And then you'll see Kurt and I and you click on the picture and you can hear all of our almost two years worth now of, of uh, commercial free shows thanks to our sponsors vision first bright star and ln credit union and uh, we're talking today with dr vaughn walker and dr chuck tackett both of first gethsemane church about racism and uh how, how we live together how can we all just get along you know uh, guys many times we I, I think there's so many people they don't they don't get up in the morning and go how can i be the biggest jerk in the world how can I be offensive and how can I be a just, uh, you know, a, a, a be a rock in somebody's shoe? But many times, unintentionally, we, we, can, we can fall in that category. We can be offensive when we're not even trying to be. Mm-hmm. Dr. Walker, talk to us about that. How, how ways that we as white folks can be offensive to you, blacks, and we don't even mean to, but we do, or, or we are. You know, as a professional educator, to be in an environment when maybe you're one of, the only one or one of few who are operating hopefully on an equal level with the other professionals, to be frequently left out of the information flow and find out later the decisions have been made behind your back, not so much intentionally, just never included you in their thought process of maybe you have something to contribute to the discussion. And so that happened a number of times in curriculum decisions, uh, how processes would, would occur in an educational environment. I'd find out everybody else knew and I found out later. You know, it makes you feel devalued a little mm. bit, okay. Um, I, I, just, I think uh, my spouse sometimes in her environment found the same thing. And sometimes it's not just black-white. Uh, it's just, you know, again, I said, racism wasn't just, just power is too short a definition maybe. But people who are in authority tend to overlook those who work under them. I'm sure you guys have felt that uh, when decisions were made and you could have made a significant contribution to it, but maybe because they didn't think you were at that level. I parked in your parking lot and I realized I got out of the car. It said executive parking only. I said, oh man, I'm going to get towed. I'm nervous because I thought I was late because I went to the building next door thinking that was your address so I'm already anxious a little bit so I'm pulling my car out probably almost running over one of the guys out there in the in the cutting the grass you know uh I'm just feeling anxious because you know you know you're not the executive you, and, and and honestly probably subconsciously I'm an African-American pulling up here uh, I don't know where I am I've never been here before uh and to walk in the door, find nice lady downstairs. She was so nervous that I knocked on the door. I'm looking for you. And uh, she backed up a little bit and I said, uh, 
uh, I gave her your name, and she said, I think there's a radio uh, company upstairs, but I'm not sure. Would you go down there? Uh, I felt she felt very uneasy with me. She may not have been. It could have been just me because I was being anxious at that point. Mm. I think those are the kind of little subtle things that occur. I think we talked about earlier my son drilling him as a teenager and then as a young man. As you're teaching him, training him to what? To say, look, if you're pulled over by the police, yield, put your hands on the wheel, and don't make any sudden moves. This is before all these killings we've been hearing about lately because we knew as African-American men in particular, you yield. You don't give them, if I may say, any lip. <laughs> you just do what they tell you to do. And we actually at the church, the men's ministry at our church, actually did that with all of the young men in our church. Trained them. We said, look, guys, when you're stopped, you, this is not a time to argue that you're innocent. This is a time to yield and obey. Okay? And uh, because we're so nervous about what happens— and I am, I am appalled, but not so surprised that we are seeing so many African American men just shot by the police. They're nervous. I, I asked. We have some African American police persons in our church, mm-hmm. and uh, one named Bob, who is a, a minister. Now he's a minister. He's a retired police person here. And he said, you understand, when we pull our gun, we are, when you pull the gun, you shoot. And we shoot to kill. Because I asked him, why do you always have to kill? I said, why don't you just shoot him in the leg or something like that? He said, our training is because our lives are on the line. If you feel the situation is so risky, that, uh, so serious enough that you need to pull your gun, you're pulling and you're not giving them a chance to negotiate. You're pulling to shoot and kill. And it was kind of hard for me to understand that, but that's the protocol for their training. So, you know, this whole thing, an African-American guy who may have dreadlocks and just looks a little different, maybe just a regular little teenage kid, uh, I can understand these police persons are really nervous when they pull up to a situation like that. It was surprising, I think, just last night or yesterday, we had a, a white woman from Australia, I think, mm-hmm. that was shot by a man of color, not an American, but he's a man of color. He may be an American citizen now. And they are, they are charging him potentially now with murder because he was one of two in the car. I think it was in Minnesota. And the window was down, and he was not the driver. Somehow he shot this woman who had called for the police to come and help because she thought someone was being abused. And so it'll be interesting to see how that, it's tragic, but interesting to see how that will work Mm. out. But right now they're talking about charging him. Well, for African-American, all these people are being exonerated. And we're saying, you got the video. (laughs) What's going on here? Mm -hmm. Okay, we can't understand that, what's going on here. So boy, you know, African Americans are really excited about body cameras and and all of that because maybe some people, regardless of their color, who shouldn't be police persons, are going to be put off the force because mm-hmm. it, it. But it's about being nervous. It's not. It's about not knowing the other person 
you know, the fear. That I'm back to that fear word again. Fear and not being exposed. Do you know? You know, it used to be funny that, and it's funny but not funny, that whites used to say, "I can't distinguish one black from another." Now I heard that growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's it's about exposure. Because mm-hmm. when I went to that all-white high school, uh, I couldn't tell whites from each other. I can do it very well now. <laughs> but because you had been isolated from them, you go into that environment and you begin to see people not as white but as Bob, Joe, Jane. You begin to distinguish them as individuals and to value their personalities. And I had a very good experience. I, it may have sound negative earlier. I, graduating from that school, I only went there two years. Uh, my wife jokes, I was in the yearbook 21 times my senior year. <laughs> I was vice president of the class, you know, co-captain of the basketball team, played on all four sports, involved in the Youth for Christ Club, co-president. Those kinds of things happened because that group of people began to see me as a person. They saw Vaughn. They didn't just see a black kid. Yet, the most nervous part of my career there, I told this yesterday, I taught a class on multiculturalism yesterday. The most nervous part was that that school, the athletes had leather sweaters, not coats like many. Mm -hmm. And they would have big pep rallies, and it was tradition of the school that the young women of the school would ask one of the guys to wear their leather sweater. Well, a white pastor's daughter, who had been taught by her pastor, her dad, to love all people, asked to wear my sweater. Mm. I was petrified. I thought I might be killed. I did let her wear my sweater, but I have never been so nervous in my entire life. I literally at that at that pep rally was trembling because it was such a dangerous thing to do in 1967 68. Mm-hmm. It was such a dangerous thing. But really she was she was being kind. She was trying to honor you. Her dad had, as a Christian had taught her to love all people. She saw nothing wrong with asking to wear my sweater. And I did, but I'm telling you, I was so nervous. I, I can't, I've been in some situations in my life, I can't remember any situation that I thought it could have cost me my life. Wow. We're going uh, to take a break, but we're going we're gonna to come back, and I want to talk with you guys about how do we, how do we make improvements. And right. as Christians, how right. do we honor one another and love one another and encourage one another the the way the Bible says blacks and whites. We'll take a break and we'll be back for our fourth and final segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment, unfortunately, but I'll tell you what, we like these guys so much and they have so much wisdom and knowledge. Uh, we want to stay on around for another bonus segment. So we're going to have a fourth segment you're going to hear on the radio. But if you're catching this, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, race and how we can bridge that gap. But in the fourth and final segment, uh, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to have a bonus segment after this. And if you want to hear that bonus segment, you're going to have to go to our Facebook, SoundCloud, 
iTunes, or you can go to furtherstoministries.org and click on the mic and you'll be able to hear all the bonus segment that we're going to have with Dr. Walker and Tackett. Dr. Walker, so you, 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 there has been improvement in the area of race. Absolutely. How do we continue to improve? How do we, how do we continue to make progress? Because we're not going to be perfect on this world. This is a sin-stained world and tainted with uh, you know, the, the nature of Adam. But we have hope in Christ. The second Adam has come. And because of that, uh, he's, he's, he transforms us. But talk about that with us, please. Of course, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And so we have to intentionally decide it's a decision <clears throat> that ought to elevate itself to a commitment to love. Mm. Okay, uh, I can choose, but then I have to stay committed to that. And so we have to love each other. Indeed, we have come a mighty long way. Some people have not come. In life, <laughs> not everybody is going to get saved. So not everybody is going to make that decision to intentionally say, I'm going to love you as my brother. If I was in the African-American church, I'm saying, I'm going to love the hell out of you. Okay? <laughs> I can't say that, you know, on Christian radio, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Uh, but spending time, yeah. it becomes one-on-one. Uh, we can pass laws. But finally, it comes down to you and me deciding we're going to be brothers. Mm-hmm. Now, I have two younger brothers. We have fought all of our lives. We love each other. We'd go to battle for each other. We disagree on some topics, but we love each other. Mm. And so brothers have to love each other. You don't okay. always, my wife and I, 43 years, I love her so much, but we don't agree on everything. You we've don't? Had, you we, don't? No, no, we've had to <laughs> work through some things, and only in Christ. Have we made it 43 years? Mm-hmm. Because I had another woman, and it was the church. And uh, we've had to work through that, that mm-hmm. the church didn't consume so much of me that I neglected her. Well, the same thing in personal relationships. We have to work through our moles and wrinkles, and you know, we have some, some things in us that Christ is trying to work out of us. But indeed, things are better. I, doing, while we were not on the air, I talked about my children and the relationships that they have built growing up in a more desegregated world than I did. And they have dear friends. I talked about a birthday party that was like an international conference <laughs> because my little, little elementary person invited all her friends. There are a few people from our predominantly African-American church but she had other friends in class. And the people she picked as friends uh, were not all white or black or Asian. They were just, they were just friends. Uh, my older daughter, she, um, uh, I, I joked that when she got married, she was going to have a difficult time choosing her maid of honor because her very, very best friend is a Caucasian. And to pick her sister or her very best friend, it was going to be a difficult decision for her. And and her friend, you know, is a part of our family. Mm. I mean, I mean, we know she's white, but she's a part of our family. You know, we we love her, and because we know she loves us too. 
Mm, and, and that's how we make the difference. That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Tackett, talk to us about, from your perspective. Yeah, I, I think from, from a Caucasian perspective, how do we you know, interface with the African-American community? Um, and for me, it just kind of comes down, comes down to three words or three phrases. Uh, first is see. You know, we, we don't spend enough time looking at one another and seeing one another, understanding one another in a holistic way. We don't understand one another's, you know, thinking one's, one another's emotional lives. Emotional lives uh, you know, uh, we just don't spend enough time to actually see one another and truly, deeply understand one another. You know, so then the other part of it is, is just really say, I see you, and then I'm going to work. Second part is really understand you and all the perspectives that make up your life, okay? So one of my promises to the individuals at First Gethsemane is um, I will never understand what it means to be African-American. Because I'm Caucasian, it's not possible for me to understand what it means to be African-American in our culture. And so I'll never understand that. Here's my promise, though. I'm going to work to understand it as best as I can. Mm. That's going to be a goal. I'm going to work to understand it as best as I can. And I'm going to ask you if I'm off base on something, tell me. And much of the time, you know, when I speak on issues of, of racial relationships and uh, reconciliation issues at First Gethsemane and groups and stuff, I, I'll just I'll say, if I'm off, correct me. You mm. know, because I might be off on some things. Just offer me a correction and I'll listen to that. And then for me, the third thing is act respectfully. I mean, really spend time with one another and, and learn to learn as best as you can to act respectfully towards one another. Learn to value one another. Learn to listen to one another. You know, just in essence, practice it being respectful to one another. And so I've got to hear you. I've got to understand you. And I'm really not going to say anything till I really get you, till I really understand you, you know, and I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. So when I'm at First Gethsemane or out about in the community and I'm, I'm you know, connecting with African-American individuals, um, no matter the age of the individual, if it's a, if it's a young man or, you know, a young boy, I'll say, sir. Mm. No matter if it's a female, I will just say, yes, ma'am. Because I'm trying to think of ways. What can I do to impart dignity? What can I do as a Caucasian to impart value? Honor. Right. What can I do to be respectful? What can I do to demonstrate honor? What, what can I do to engage you, to let you know that I see you, I'm seeking to understand you, I'm seeking to engage you, and that I respect you? Because I'm trying to see you from God's point of view, and I hope along the way you'll see me from God's point of view. And God sees you as being valuable. And simply because God sees you as being valuable, I've got to value you. I don't have a choice in that. I have to value you. You know, and so we have to take the time and our energy and, and invest that in one another. So years ago when Dr. Walker asked me to, in a very part-time way, be on staff at First Gethsemane, I mean, my first response was, yeah. You know, Doc, just tell me when to be there. I'll be there, <laughs> you know. And I think we had lunch on a Tuesday, and I was on staff on Sunday morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, it was a little fast, but <laughs> I, I went home and talked to Kim about it, and she was perfectly fine with it, which I wasn't surprised by that at all. Um, but it's just just learning that, that we have to spend time with one another. And, and in that time, we've got to be respectful towards one another. 
and really listen and and see what you're really talking about. We're not we're not going to change you know the right. uh, the whole country. You're talking about a one individual at a time, one family, right. one couple at a time. Right. We we can't make a difference in the whole country, but we can make a difference. And and Chad, it was what we talked we were talking about yesterday. A preacher said, "Do for one what you would do for all. What you would do for all. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we do that as Christians, yeah, do for one." What you would do for all, mm-hmm. you make a difference. Well, just mathematically, there are more Caucasians than African Americans. And so in the church, if we did that, if we took that principle and we applied that, racism would be greatly depleted in our community. Mm-hmm. And the, the power of Christ to change the individual would be overwhelmingly seen. And so lost people out there would, would just basically say, God can change people, that God is in the people changing business. And that's what we're all about. Amen. Oh. Guys, it's been a blast to have you in here. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thanks for sharing Thank your you. wisdom. And I'm going to ask both of you just a, a short mm-hmm. sentence prayer. Uh, just pray for us guys, uh, the listeners, that we would be men who would bridge the gap, that we would do what we need to do as, as Christ followers to love our neighbors as ourself. Mm-hmm. Would you guys pray, please? Yeah. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to meet this day and talk with one another. We pray, Lord, that you'll take the words we've shared uh, and use them to bring you honor and glory and use them to bring us closer together, Lord. It's in your name I pray. And Father, we know that you hate sin mm. at every level. So let it begin first, Lord, in each of us. Amen. That we will approach others with a pure heart, a heart that has been consecrated and changed by you. I pray, God, for men in our congregations, because if not Christians who, that we might, Lord, be the change agents as you have changed us, Lord, let us be instruments of change for this world. Mm. We rebuke the spirit of racism, sexism, any of those isms that hold people in bondage. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Dr. Walker, Dr. Tackett, thank you. Greatly appreciate you coming in. And uh, stick around. We're going to, uh, if you're just hearing this radio segment, we're going to finish up on the air, but we're going to have a bonus segment. Again, you can go to Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, or you can go to uh, furtherstillministries.org, and you're going to hear a bonus segment. We're going to talk about uh, what do we do more practical uh, in, in certain areas of, of Louisville and areas where there is violence, uh, what do we do who people who live on one end of town <clears throat> can help other brothers and sisters on the other end of town? And we're going to talk about that in the podcast. And we're going to get all Dr. Walker, Dr. Tackett said they're going to figure all that out for us in the podcast. So um, <laughs> stay tuned to that. Hey, thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.